stand on the highlight of Acts, Kate. <laughs> so this, this is Kate. Kate has been around our church family for a good while, and she has been uh, serving um, in a lot of her teams. She serves on our welcome team. She serves on our kids' team, and she serves with the youth team as doing many other things. So first of all, Kate, thank you for your servant heart. It's an example, and we are going to miss that. Um, as being part of our church when you head away. So what are you going to do? Um, well, good morning, everyone. Um, so a little bit about me is for the past five years, I've been based at Queen's um, in Belfast, finishing up a medical degree, which was a couple of weeks ago, graduation. Um, and now I'm going forward to actually head over to Scotland to be a doctor over there for my next foundation years, a couple of years over there in Glasgow. So that's the next kind of stage in, of my life. Um, big transition between being a student to being a real adult now, um, but also being in a different country where I don't have necessarily the support that I would have here. But um, I always felt that I was to go after um, I did my uni and it's ended up being Glasgow and I feel like God's over that. Um, but it's been such a joy and a privilege to be part of this church family. and. Um, I just would like to thank and honour um, the friends I've made here um, who are family for the rest of my life, uh, um, which is really special. But there's a lot of unknowns going forward um, to Glasgow. I don't know the city very well. I've been once. <laughs> um, I also don't really know what my hospital's going to look like or what my work environment's going to look like or what my house actually looks like in a minute. Um, but those are things that are all in God's hands. So I'm just giving that to him. And... Uh, know that adult life maybe doesn't have everything worked out. Yeah. Um, so is any of Kate's friends here? Um, we'd love you to come up to the front and we're going to pray for Kate when she comes to the front. So if you know Kate and you've been part of her journey, whether it's in this church or encouraging her or wherever, please come up to the front now and, and gather around her as we pray for her as she heads off. And Kate, we also want to pray that as much as everything gets worked out in the practical, we actually are more concerned that God provides you a church family where you can feel part of and feel part of the city. And um, we, we just pray that that would be a real priority in your heart and that those doors would open up as well as an eldership here at Emmanuel. So I'm going to pray for you. Uh, yeah, sure, go down there, yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Just if you want to lay your hands on her. And the rest of the church, you know, we've done this over the last few weeks of some of our young adults who are heading away into a different season. And we just want to send them off well and send them with our blessing on our prayers. So if you feel comfortable, reach your hands out to Kate um, and just pray your best prayers or echo the words that I may say or the Lord leads me to say when we pray in a moment or two. Thank you, Father, that um, you have taken Kate this far and she has successfully completed her five years at Queen's. Um, we thank you for her results. We thank you for the blessing of that. We thank you for helping her through, no doubt, all those long hours as a doctor, both in study and in practical. Um, we ask you, Father, that in the many unknowns that she faces as she heads towards Scotland, 
Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would be in every practicality. First of all, Lord, we just ask that you would just drop her and connect her into one of your faith families in Glasgow. And Lord, from the connection of that, that all the other practicalities would work themselves out with the blessing of the saints. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that a house would open up for her. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that knowledge of the city would open up for her. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that great friends would come around her who would encourage her and champion her and help her even when in her loneliness when she's missing the things of Northern Ireland. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that in this new season, you take her heart and you nurture it and you mold it and you shape it into who and how you want her to be in the months and the years ahead. So, Father, we just ask that she would leave this place with all our thanks for what she has poured into our children and our young people and the fabric of this church. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would take what she's learned here and you would use it like a missionary would going across to Scotland and potentially even into this other faith family that she may join. So protect her as she goes, Lord. Bless her as she goes in every way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks, guys. <clears throat> and just on that, you know, over the last weeks, we've sent away a lot of our young adults, and they have been a key part of the servants who help Sundays happen here in the church. And, um, you know, I'd really throw a fresh encouragement out to you as church members. You know, there's Kate serves in kids and youth and welcome team. And there is a gap in three teams requiring to be filled. Usually that would be three people um, doing those roles, but Kate's been doing them as one. Um, so we would ask that just this morning that even the Holy Spirit would just prick your heart into somewhere you can help serve in our church. Kate, several others have all went, and there is holes across all of our teams that need filled. And this is not a job we're asking you to do. This is a, an aspect of serving the majesty of our Father God in his house. So uh, if that's something that you could do and step into, one in six, um, that would be amazing. It would really be amazing. We're going to watch a video now. Um, the video is from Shelley. Some of you may or may not know Shelley. Shelley and Francis live in Victoria Street in North Lurgan. And God has been doing something very special and unique through this couple in the last years down in North Lurgan. And out of that emerged uh, a work of Father God that has touching and blessing so many lives um, in so many special and very individual ways. But there's a change coming. Uh, Shelley's not able to be with us here today, but she has dropped in a video, um, just a short video to explain um, what's happening. So it'd be great if you could watch this and just absorb some of the things that is said. Hi. Um for those who don't know me, my name is Shelley and I'm going to share um, about Shalom and the amazing servants of Christ that I work alongside with. 
Shalom is in the heart of the community in North Lurgan and in August our Wednesday night prayer meetings start again at 7.30pm and our Sunday gatherings at 4pm. Shalom has been going through a bit of a transition this season um, so we will really value your prayers. Francis and I have felt the Lord call us to start a new monastic community part of 24-7 Prayer Ireland just outside Dublin in September but we will share a wee bit more about that on a later date. So come September everything starts back up again in Shalom for the drop-in on a Monday, contemplative prayer on a Monday evening, the Bible study on a Wednesday, the compassion end of it, the events and the outreach on a Saturday evening. And as you all know, um, church isn't a building, it's a body and it's a family. And I would invite you all as a family to be praying for Shalom and for this new season. So the prayer points would be that the Lord would place it in a person or a couple's heart to oversee the spiritual end of things within Shalom and just to oversee the work for the Lord to open a young person's heart or a team of young people to work in the community um, alongside the young people there but most of all for those in Shalom as a family just as they transition um, into this new season to be praying for the work that's already ongoing so I leave you um, with those prayer requests. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And may the Lord's face shine upon you all. Shalom. Yeah, so that's Shelley. Some of you may recognize her face. And if you do know her at all, you will realize that um, all that's been happening in North Lurgan has actually been something God's been growing out of her heart and who she has been to the community, and others have gathered around her in doing that. So her and Francis following the call of God to leave North Lurgan and go to Dublin to start this monastic community is a massive thing for her. Um, so it's, it's huge in her world. Also, it's huge with that leaving a whole ministry, which she has been intricately in every detail of it and helping carry it to leave that and separate herself from that even when God has not provided the person to oversee that yet. So that's why she is calling to the church to stand, to pray that God would maybe raise someone from here or someone from elsewhere to, to be that sort of parent of Shalom and carry the spiritual oversight of that and for the youth work on the streets because there's so much opportunity in North Lurgan and hungry and open hearts for to learn more of Father God. So could I ask you maybe that you would remember to pray for Shelley, please, and those two specific prayer points, a spiritual parent or overseer and a youth worker um, for Shalom. Morning is going to come. We went rogue today. Dave's not here. Phil's um, leading Cara this morning, so it's an elder takeover this morning. Mo, do we, do we really even have to do a preach? Can we just not sit on the sofa and hang out? Like, 
you know, Phil's not, he's, he's gone, it's quarter past ten, he's gone. You know, we can do whatever we want now, you know. <laughs> uh, but maybe I'll get you this table here for a start before we pray. should have had this table earlier because I was standing up there outside the light. The boys at the back had the cross on me earlier. So if you don't know, this is Mo. Mo is uh, on the eldership here. Um, and if you haven't been fortunate to hear her preach before, I know you're going to be blessed this morning because God has gifted her with a way to articulate his word that lands in all our hearts. So I'm just going to pray. That's all prayer for Mo just now. Father, thank you for Mo. Thank you for her health and her strength. Thank you for who she is and what she carries for your love for your word, the knowledge that you've placed within her of it and her hunger to explore it more. So as we uh, hand over to her now, Lord, that you would just take this next period of time and you would just use her to speak directly into every heart that's in the building. In Jesus' name. So good to be here uh, this morning again, and uh, we're going to talk about, you know, I know it's summer psalms at the moment, and we're going to talk about a psalm of David this morning, it's Psalm 27, one of my favorite psalms, and uh, the background to this psalm is that David uh, was running away from Saul, very scared young man, and uh, in a very dark place at times, we reckon he could well have been running from Saul for about 10 years. It wasn't just like for a few months. And a very Saul was a very jealous king. He was jealous of David because God had said that David would be the next king. And if you can imagine what it must have been like for David to have been running through the wilderness. Um, for those of us who have been to Israel a few times, Phil and, and Jane and myself, and I see Harry here and others, we'll know that when you go down into the Judean desert... Uh, you can see the, the landscape where David would have been running. We had a young guy with us one year, a few years ago. I really loved Jesus, and he was just up into those cliffs and, and you know, going into the caves and taking photographs. We couldn't keep him out of the, out of the caves, but it's a, just a, an amazing terrain down there near the, around the Dead Sea. Would have been the area, I see Dixie looking at me here as well, the Dead Sea, the, the lowest point on earth. Um, physically and it must have been the lowest point for David as he ran uh, hiding from this mad king who was determined to kill him and so it, it, this song really came out of a dark place and that just amazes me because you know life is difficult and life can be very dark and sometimes we feel like we're just in a really low place and you know David during those years like David didn't get it all right you know, he, he did some really stupid things. He went over to the other side. He went over to the king of Gath. He, he was running in just terrible fear. So it wasn't like he was walking, just everything was easy. Everything was very difficult. And it reminds me of what it's like for us, how there's times in our lives whenever we just hardly know what we're doing. And yet out of this dark place, we see uh, something that's very real about David. I wrote down in my notes here, this psalm is real and raw about the highs and the lows. 
and it has so much to teach us about David's relationship with God and how David handled his emotions as he negotiated life with God. And that's what it's all about. And so we're going to look at this psalm and we're going to see that David, somehow or other, during his lifetime, he learned to move out of a place of defeat into a place of victory. From despair to joy at times, from doubt to trust. We can see in this psalm, we're going to see that it's possible to trust God and yet feel doubt. And we see that David was able to come out of weakness and into strength. And so we're going to see where he starts. He starts here with confidence and celebration. The first three verses of this psalm say, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Can you imagine out of that dark place that David was able to write those words? The Lord is my light and my salvation. You see, there's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. And when we come to trust Jesus, we come out of the kingdom of darkness and we come into this beautiful kingdom of, of light. I loved, I read this morning just that 1 John 1 verse 5 says that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. He's a wonderful God. There is no shadow of turning. There's no darkness in him. The enemy is full of darkness, but God is light. And I just love the fact that, that David talked about God being his light even before Jesus came as the light of the world. Isn't it amazing? John chapter 1, where, where, they, where, where, where he's called the light of the world. And, and, you know, not only did David recognize that he was light, but I just love that even, you know, hundreds of years after David, that Isaiah the prophet actually prophesied that he would come to be the light of the world. Jesus, the light of the world, came to save. And uh, I just love the, these verses here because it says, this is from Isaiah, um, Isaiah's prophecy. And here's what Isaiah said in his prophecy. Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. God knew what he was going to do. He was going to send the Redeemer. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles will be filled with glory and the people who walked in darkness will see a great light. Isn't it amazing that Jesus was going to come not just to be the light of the Jews, but to be the light of the world. That, and he kept his word and he came. Prophecy was fulfilled. Oh, if we had time to look and see how many prophecies have already been fulfilled and how many more have yet to be fulfilled. But we see here, and David is recognizing that Jesus is his light. And he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You see, when we're living with God in the light and we're walking in the light, somehow or other fear disappears because God's light and God's love go together. And, and you know, perfect love, God's perfect love casts out fear. 
And so David knew what it was like to walk in this place and live in this place where God would be his stronghold and where he wouldn't have to cope with this terrible fear. He was able to face the future. And listen, you and I can face the future when we're walking in the light and enjoying God as the light in our hearts and our, our, lights are, our hearts are full of light. So he came as a light to be our salvation, but God also, he shines his light to be our guide. God wants to guide us through life. And, you know, David would have sung the Psalms. He, he loved, he wrote many of the Psalms. And Psalm 119, verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. So David would have sung this and he recognized God as his salvation, but also as the one who would lead him and guide him and shine a light on his path and make things clear for him to go go God's way. And you know, as I look out across everyone this morning, and I just think of many decisions, we just think of Kate heading off, you know, to, to Glasgow this morning. God has been a light to her, has shone his light and his lamp on her path and led her. And that's what he does. He leads us through life. This is the most adventurous life it's possible to live, to trust the God who, who, who shines his light on our path and who leads us. And he wants us to know what it is to live in the light. You know, when Jesus came and, and he gathered up all of those disciples, uh, John was very close to him. And later on, when John became the apostle, uh, he wrote this in his, in his little letter, 1 John 1 7. He said, if you're living in the light, then you have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, this is one of my kind of hobby horses I have learned through my life and through making so many mistakes I've learned that when I bring stuff into the light before God and sometimes before other people if need be when I bring it out of darkness I not stop trying to hide it and bring it out and confess it to God and confess my sin and recognize it is sin I have discovered that God does a miracle that when we're hiding and covering up sin and walking in areas and pockets of darkness in our life I'll tell you this, the enemy has legal ground to torment us and he gets legal ground to lead us off onto the wrong paths and to bring us into darkness and we can do all kinds of detours in life that will just cause us pain because if we're not in the light, we're going into an area that, that Satan is going to be in control of and he wants to cause us pain and bring us into detours. And so God wants us to know what it is to live in the light, bring this stuff out and immediately we can get we can get his forgiveness. Do you notice what it says? If you're living in the light, then you have fellowship with each other. That's amazing. That's fellowship this way. That's peace this way. And the blood of God, Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. That renews our fellowship this way. So we have this, we're in the sweet spot when we're walking in the light. And this is what David understood. And this is what God wants us to understand today. You see, David knew later on in his life, he experienced the pain of hiding sin. You know, when he was, uh, whenever he was older, we all kind of know that he had this uh, uh, affair, this committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then, you know, plotted and schemed whenever she became pregnant to try and cover up his sin and put her husband into the battlefield and put him right in the place where he would be killed. You know, that haunted him. And he tried to cover that up for so long. And, you know, it just brought pain. I love what um, he wrote. He, 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 you know, one thing about David is he's honest. He wasn't honest for a while. He tried to hide it. But eventually when God sent a prophet to him and challenged him, 
he, he wrote this psalm, and here's what he said. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Do you know when we try to cover up our sin, it actually affects us physically. Isn't it amazing? It actually affects us physically. We can get headaches and heartaches and, and pains in our bones and all the rest of it. David said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon, upon me and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Psalm 32. I'll tell you something. There's nothing like just bringing our sin into the open. It, covering up stuff just causes pain and it, it destroys us. It hurts us. And it hurts our fellowship with each other as well. David recognized that. He recognized that he needed to bring it into the open. And so he's talking here about the light, about walking in the light. And he's, he's, he's totally confident. Did you notice the rest of that? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. We have confidence whenever we're walking in the light. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I'll be confident, he said. It's possible to be confident about the future when we're trusting God. Because no matter what happens, no matter what happens, even if the worst happens, God will be with us. He doesn't promise us an easy path, but he promises he'll be with us. And he promises he'll be faithful. He is a faithful God. And, and I just love that, that we can have confidence. No matter what age we are, we can have confidence that all is well because God is with us. And when we walk with him and we just confess our sin every day, you know, I just love to get a clean slate every day. Lord, just wash me again. Wash any of this old rubbish off me, even the small thing. Just wash me clean. Bring it into the open and get rid of it. What an amazing God that has made it possible for us to have an, an ongoing, beautiful relationship with him it's just amazing but he kind of moves from here then he moves from the you know from the place of confidence and celebration he moves into a place of um oh sorry yes from confidence he's trusting god he moves into a place of communion and contemplation look what it says in the next verse he says one thing i ask from the lord this only do i seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. You know, this is one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. One thing, do you remember whenever Mary got down at Jesus' feet and Martha was all flustered because she wasn't helping her with the housework? Jesus said to, to, to Martha, Mary has chosen the, the thing that was needful. Mary has chosen the best thing. The best thing we can choose is to learn to, the one thing that's important in our lives is to learn to sit at the feet of Jesus, to gaze into the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. See, there's something about looking into the face of Jesus Christ. I was so blessed this morning because when I was worshiping down there, Daddy Alan was waving that big flag and he was waving it nearly over my face and I opened my eyes at one point and all I could see was Jesus across my face and it really it made me emotional I just thought Lord I just love to look into your face and how do we look into the face of Jesus when we look into his word when we allow his word and meditate and gaze and contemplate upon his word it's so beautiful 
We see him, and do you know what happens? When we, when we gaze upon the Lord, something happens. I've written here on, your, on the overhead here, gazing into or contemplating the face of the Lord changes us. It actually changes us. And that's why it's so important that we have quiet times every day throughout the day where we just stop and think about Jesus. Where we just stop and allow his word, something that God has spoken to us that morning, that it actually becomes part and parcel of who we are. It, be, it actually becomes part of us. And we look into his face and we love him. And we allow him to change us. I love 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 that says, And we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. You know, when we look into his face, this verse, Paul wrote this, we are actually being transformed. And that's why it's so important that we spend time with God, that we have a regular rhythm of, of being aware of God's presence and of looking into his face in every circumstance throughout our day. We can bring him into every circumstance and we can gaze upon his face and we can contemplate uh, what he's doing and we can be changed. But not only, not only does it uh, bring change to us, but it brings fruitfulness to us because it brings us into a deeper union with Christ. Remember Jesus said in, in, in John chapter 15, he said about if you abide in me or abide, I am the, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, the, the uh, Amplified Version says, the one who remains in me or abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. So not only do we gaze upon him, but as we recognize we are actually in union. Imagine that through the blood of Jesus, because he died and paid for our sins on the cross, that when we accept him as our savior, he comes, he forgives us, and he comes to live in us. And we are actually in union with the Godhead. I mean, this is absolutely stupendous. And out of that union, as we abide in him and, and, and walk in the light with him, something happens that we begin to bear fruit. We don't have to struggle or stress or try to bring stuff out. It just starts, we start to bear fruit. The love and the joy and the peace and the long-suffering and the kindness and the goodness and the self-control, all of those things come out of this gazing upon and in union with him. It is just the most beautiful place to be. And so we see he continues to, uh, he continues to talk in this psalm about what a beautiful place it is. And he goes, to says, he goes on to say, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe. He will keep me safe. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon the rock. Then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me at his, at his sacred tent. That's the tabernacle. I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. Do you see at the bottom there where he says twice, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. Sometimes whenever life becomes a little bit difficult or something happens that just disturbs our peace, or even something big happens that is just a real bolt out of the blue, sometimes it can be a sacrifice to sing those songs of joy. 
And do you see this particular point? I think at this point, as he writes this psalm, he's beginning to feel fear coming again, and he's beginning to fear, beginning to feel, you know, a little bit of anxiety again. But he's saying he's making a point here, and he's saying, "I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord." I'll tell you, when things go wrong, that's when we need to decide in our head, no matter how we feel, I will sing with shouts of joy, and I will, I will make a sacrifice of praise. Yeah. This is so important because I'll tell you something. The Christian life is not just a breeze through. The Christian life is a battleground. And yes, God lifts us up just like he did at the beginning of the psalm. Everything was going hunky-dory with, with David at the beginning. The Lord said, my light, my, he's ready to face anything. But as he goes on here, something's happening that's beginning to disturb his peace. And he's starting to say, do you know what? I'm going to sacrifice with shouts of joy anyway. And I'm going to sing and make music to the Lord, even no matter what way I feel. And we need to learn to do the same. Because there's a point, every so often there's a point where we have to battle through and you see he's beginning he's beginning to you begin to get a sense of that see life's tough we've got an old nature we can make wrong decisions we can get knocked off the trail circumstances can can change bad things can happen life can be really really tough and so we've got to hang in in those times we've got to trust God because there's going to be times of contention and confusion and that's what David is beginning to experience here you begin to see it as you look at the next verses. He's saying, hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. I wanted to read to you the translation that it says in the New Living Translation, uh, just those couple of lines. David said, hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. What, what was happening here? He's beginning to do a bit of self-talk. He's beginning to talk to himself. Things are beginning to get a little bit, he's getting a bit stressed out. And he's saying, in his heart, he's hearing God say, come on, talk to me. And he's responding, he said, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm coming. I'm going to talk to you. My heart says, yes, Lord, your face I will seek. And then you see the doubt coming in. This is where I'm talking about how we can, we can be trusting the Lord and still suffer, you know, these feelings and emotions of doubt. He says, Lord, don't hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. He's reminding himself that in the past, the Lord had helped him. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of what God's done for us in the past and trust him. Yeah. If he's done it in the past, he's going to do it in the future. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, Though my, do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me. You know, at this point in David's life, it looks like when we read the, the story, it looks like his parents were, he had actually sent them down to Moab. They weren't there to give him any support. And his spiritual father, Samuel, would also have been dead probably by this stage. So really he was going through a time of loneliness. He was out, with, with, out running around like a crazy man in the desert with a bunch of ragamuffins that had come out to, to be with him like his gang. And here he is, and he's saying, do you know what, Lord, even, even though my mother and father might forsake me, I know you, you will receive me. He's, he's beginning to speak out. He's beginning to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm speaking it out. And he's saying, teach me your way, Lord. Lead me. 
Sorry, I hit that too quickly. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I'll tell you, there's times in all of our lives when it seems as though everything's going against us. And sometimes the enemy uses people to speak through people. It's not people that hurt us. It's the enemy operating through people. And sometimes we just feel like everything's going against us. But you know what? We can say, Lord, teach me your way. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my faith in you. Even though the enemy, he is known in the Bible as the accuser. Satan is the accuser and he wants to get, he wants to accuse you and he wants you to feel condemnation and he wants you to be afraid and he wants you to, to, to take wrong turns and, and move away from God instead of towards God. But God's saying, listen to me. And so David's really, he's really self-talking. He's, he's telling himself what to do. And then he moves from this place of contention and confusion where everything's messed up. And he comes into this place of courage and confession. And here's what he says. I remain confident of this. And look what he says. And listen, I put down here as a heading, I put down courage and confession because there's something very powerful about speaking out with your mouth. Do you know the power of words? We don't realize the Bible teaches the power in our words. When we speak negatively over ourselves, that is so powerful. The enemy can jump right in the back of that. But when we confess what God says, the power of confession for good in our lives is unbelievable. David was getting afraid. Remember, remember Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he wrote that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of, of power and of love and of, of self-discipline or some, some other translations say, safe thinking it's how we think is the whole thing we need to get our we need to have our, our mind our thoughts self-control is about having our our thoughts and, our, and speaking out god's thoughts and not speaking out our negative thoughts and so here he is and he's saying i remain confident of this i will see the goodness of the lord maybe today you need to say that to yourself Maybe there's something going on in your life today and you need to actually say, do you know what? I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then David says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. He says it twice. I just love the, the New King James Version says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He says it twice. Listen, it's so important to wait God's timing. The enemy will try to bump us out of God's time. He will, he will send all kinds of things to sidetrack us. God says, trust me. And you know, when we wait on him, something happens. This particular word for wait is the word kava. It's pronounced in the Hebrew kava. Say that with me, kava. It's a really, really, it sounds like something a bird would say, isn't it? Kava. It's the word for wait. It's the same word that's used in Isaiah 40, verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's the same word. And, and David is saying, you've got to wait for the Lord. And this particular word, kava, means it has the idea of to bind or to weave. 
And you know, I just love this word. It's because it's so full of meaning. It means that when you wait, you wait with anticipation. And as you wait, God binds himself, his love around you. God wraps his arms around you as you wait. And, and you can be part of this with him. And you can begin to almost, you know the way, I used to have long hair when I was a child. And my mother used to plait it every day. That's like weaving the three cords. And I, I love this word because I think, Lord, I can like plait the three cords. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I can trust you. And you know, this is, this, in, in Jewish thought, this is actually the, the thought of hope. It's the weaving together of the three cords. And this is the kind of waiting that David's talking about. It's the waiting that's anticipating. I'm not just waiting here with, with maybe or whatever. I'm waiting in anticipation to see what God's going to do. It mightn't be what I think he's going to do, but I am full of anticipation that God's going to do something beautiful. And you know what happens when you wait like that? He's speaking out his words. He's confessing. And the faith that comes with those words brings him right back to the place of confidence and celebration. I think this sounds like a loop. It's like I was thinking of the Lion King this week, you know, the, the circle of life. This is like the circle of, of eternal life. And this, this is what life's like. This is what life has been like for me. It's like going through those different phases and but coming back. And, and you know what the secret is? The secret is the center bit, gazing into his face, knowing you're in union with him, walking in the light. And when you live like that, you can actually move very quickly out of those dark times. You don't have to be in it for weeks or months. You can move quickly back into this sweet spot, into this spot where you're enjoying and celebrating who God is and walking in his light and experience him prompting you to do life in all kinds of ways and things you would never expect. It's just the most amazing way to live. We need to trust him all boils down to trust. A few weeks ago, I was going through one of these wee spells of just being a bit anxious about something and looking at God's word and saying, I wonder, is, Lord, is that, is that verse really for me, Lord? Like, is that, am I taking that out of context? Did you really say that word? And do you know something? A wee woman that I, I don't really know very well, I barely know her, she sent me a message to say that God had prompted her to contact me and to tell me that I could trust God's promises and I was going to have to have a bit of courage and trust them. Listen, he's a God who can speak to you from any angle. Walk in the light and see what he can do. He's a most amazing God. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. Would you just bless this word, Lord? Would you plant it deep into all our hearts? God, that it might take real root, that we might spend that time with you every day to enjoy you. Lord, that we might just gaze into your face, Lord we would love you and worship you in those times of devotion and that we would think of you throughout the day, Lord, and that we would enjoy you. Lord, you're just an amazing God. We thank you for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Great. Thank you so much, Mo. Um, so, yeah, look, that's service one this morning over. Um, if you want to go and grab your kids from kids' environments, have a really blessed rest of uh, Sunday in whatever you do, and have a great week. Um, thank you so much for joining with us this morning. In Jesus' name.